Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 20 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear on this podcast, I ask that you please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Kevin, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Kevin Crenshaw earned a Bachelor of Science in Physics with a minor in Mathematics and Computer Science. He started out as a software developer, moved into consulting, web development, and is now the CEO of Turnaround and author of the book, Never Boss. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Take a moment to fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I'm sure uh, people are wondering a little bit about why uh, a leadership guy and an entrepreneur would be on your show talking about STEM. So uh, fill you in a little bit on that. I did major in physics and minored in computer science and math, and that ended up getting me working on space shuttle and GPS uh, satellites as a, an intern going through college. And I like to tell people my fingerprints are in space as a result of that. And then I went into computer science uh, at WordPerfect Corporation, uh, ended up being one of the key employees there in the early days, and eventually left to become an entrepreneur in my own businesses. And now I'm business and leadership coach for leaders and managers around the world. And in 2006, my wife and I and our 10 kids started our most recent company that was Priacta, and, uh, and also we go by the trade name Neverboss. We focus right now especially on hands-off leadership, which means giving people authority instead of tasks, so you build leaders instead of followers. And that uh, led to the most recent publication of my book, Neverboss, which is subtitled great leadership by letting go. So STEM was the basis and the foundation for this whole career path and made it possible as we'll explain later on. All right. Awesome, Kevin. Appreciate that. So for somebody not familiar with what a physics major could actually do, and you actually have the minor in math and in computer science, what are some other opportunities that might be out there for them? Well, physics majors are in demand, for example, in the finance industry. Uh, financial uh, firms love physicists because they love numbers. They're not afraid of problems. And they know how to tackle just about any problem. And I think you'll find that, for example, astrophysicists are among the, the have the among the highest highest post degree hiring rate in the world, or at least they did several years ago. But there are an, an amazing number of things you can do with STEM and with physics in particular. Um, Einstein said, kind of famously, he said college education is not about learning a bunch of facts but it's about training the mind to think. And that's what STEM teaches you how to do. You learn how to analyze and solve problems, and especially, eventually, you learn to start solving problems as teams. In college, you'll work together with a study group to survive. And when you have that, and when you learn to work well with people, the world starts to open up to you, not, and not necessarily just in the field you got your degree in. Those minors, the things you minor in in college, may become important later, later for you, like they did for me with computer science. And for as an example, Example, at one point, I was a business analyst. That's something that a person with a great STEM degree can, can uh, do. And a business analyst is the bridge between the business and technical sides of the organization. You may be the only person in the company who can, be, who can speak tech and business, and it's a, it's a really fun position to be in. In, in one place, I was uh, uh, answering to four bosses. I was, I was told many times that I had zero authority and I was responsible and accountable to make change happen in the organization, and it did, and it was a blast. 
And, and that's just one example of the kind of thing you can do with a STEM degree. The, uh, the right kind of leadership, which is leadership by influence and not control, is probably the most valuable skill in any organization, in any position, and STEM can prepare you to, to become that kind of a leader, as we'll explain more in a moment. Let's dig right into that, Kevin, um, because you hit on something very important, right? You, you may not have authority, but you may want to influence. And is that what your book, Never Boss, goes into and how to, how to influence versus being an authority? Yes, it, that, that's a big part of it. And uh, it starts by creating a, a culture where there's safety and people understand that they can take authority. But safety is a two-edged sword. The, the workers have to feel safe taking action and speaking up, and the bosses or the, or the supervisors have to be feel safe letting them take action. And um, so uh, there, are, there are structural things that have to be in place, and we have to start getting rid of some of the old-fashioned management models that don't work so well in order for that to happen. But uh, you can, in a very orderly manner, establish hands-off leadership in an organization where there's tremendous safety and a lot of initiative and great things happening, without having to make huge changes. And, and ultimately, influence rather than control is a big part of that. All right. So, Kevin, our audience are juniors and seniors in, in high school, maybe some uh, college students you know, going into STEM. And they're thinking, okay, I'm going to get out. I'm going to become a STEM professional, and I'm going to do design. I'm going to, I'm going to be a hardcore numbers person. But could you probably lead them on the journey of what you went down and explain to them kind of that path that might be open to them? Absolutely. I chose physics at first because I, I liked pursuing truth. I liked the laws of the universe. But, but I switched later to computer science because I loved it. I was good at it. It felt like play. And most importantly, a super cool opportunity came along. So I jumped on board. And so a part, a part of that path you know, we, we all think we, we know what we're going to do when we graduate from, from school, but an important part of that path is to be watching for and prepared to seize an opportunity when it comes along. And later, I ended up fo- focusing on business and leadership because I decided I wanted to lead differently than what I was sometimes seeing, although I had seen some good examples, too, and it seemed like that was the best way to change people's lives and make the world a better place. So... Um, so a big part then of, of following this kind of a path is being flexible and uh, adaptable and agile and uh, being able to do uh, uh, take advantage of the opportunities as they arise. So let's dig into your specific area of expertise. What are you doing now specifically? Specifically right now, I am a rapid turnaround guy and I'm a leadership management consultant. And turnarounds means you take an organization that's struggling and or, or they're just not performing the way they'd like to or it doesn't feel the way they like to, they don't like the culture, and they want to change it. And especially, uh, they want to change it quickly. And, and now, sometimes turnaround guys, have a, uh, people have a bad reputation because people feel like they come in and fire everybody, but we don't do it that way. We do it by not firing people. Instead, we do it by, by eliminating old-fashioned uh, ideas about management and then we turn everyone into leaders, all of them, even the support operator or the receptionist or the person flipping the burgers at the grill. They can think and act like leaders. And that kind of a change happens in usually sometimes as little as three to four months. And a lot of the time it can be done remotely, telecommuting, believe it or not. And when we're done, the companies start to run themselves. They run themselves safely. People love what they do. They're, they're accomplishing great things on their own. And the managers aren't afraid or overwhelmed anymore. 
an example of that is one company uh, where uh, there was an apartment manager working at this company that felt like the red, they were the redheaded stepchild, very limited in what they could do, always had to get permission. Suddenly, uh, we opened the doors so that she could lead, and she discovered that they were sitting on a mini gold mine of revenue, had been that way for a long time, but nobody had seen it, and suddenly she was able to seize it and take advantage of it for the company. And that, that kind of change is something we see all the time in, in organizations when we, we make these changes and help them turn around. Yeah, so STEM Nation, when, when you're out in your careers, you, you don't want to just sit back and wait for your manager, your boss, or whatever the org structure is to come and tell you what to do. You want to take ownership of things, come up with your own ideas, present those ideas to your management. And by doing things like that, becoming kind of your own boss, like Kevin's talking about, you'll be much more valued in that company than other employees. Yes. That, that's, yeah, I'm glad you used the word ownership. Ownership is huge. That's one of the first things we talk about with people whenever anything's happening. You know, who owns this? Who's feeling pain? Who feels the reward? Who's uh, doing the thinking? Who's taking the initiative? And if you, if you have a team of people, all of whom can take ownership and can collaborate well, suddenly you've got a team with an IQ of 2,000 instead of a team that's being held back by a manager with an IQ of 120. So taking ownership and the leaders letting them take ownership is huge. So, Ken, how did your STEM um, education help in what you're doing today? I may be jumping ahead here, but uh, I'd like to tell you about a moment, something that happened for me as I was going through college, when there was kind of a, a, an aha moment, and that translated into what we're doing now. Uh, when I was uh, in, uh, in college in third year, I was asked to be a tutor in a tutorial lab, and the tutorial lab is a place where uh, people who are majoring maybe in other areas of STEM who need to take an elective or are required to take a physics class come and ask for help on their homework or to prepare for an exam. And these poor students, I mean, these, these physics problems are tough. They're, they're difficult. They're, they're comp complicated. And they come with a deer in the headlights look, and they usually say something like, hey, can you, uh, uh, can you work problem three for me, or can you show me what formula I should use on problem number three? And I'd answer the questions. But then I realized it wasn't really helping them. They kept coming back. And that's when it hit me that physics and science and math and computer science, all of it, is not about memorizing formulas or proofs or how-tos. It's about principles, fundamental principles, laws, truths that are invariant, like conservation of energy, uh, objects in motion tend to remain in motion, conservation of momentum, Gauss's law, those kinds of things. And when you know the principles... You can solve any problem because everything comes from those basic laws. So I started saying to these, these uh, people who come in asking for help, all right, instead of working the problem for you, let me teach you the principles, and then I'll, I'll, I'll work with you as you work the problem. And you know what? They quickly learned how to solve the problems on their own, and they stopped coming back. Great leadership is no different. If you teach them correct principles, if they have the fundamental truths, the reasons behind the rules, they'll manage themselves. And better yet, they're unleashed and they can start being great. They'll take initiative, they'll innovate, it becomes safe for them and safe for management. They have autonomy, they do great things without being told. And that, so all of that basically became the basis of hands-off leadership, uh, it, it had leading by letting go, as outlined in my book, Never Bust. So that, that's being used by companies around the world now. So that's an example of how principles in STEM uh, led to the place where uh, uh, I was able to do what we are doing now. Yeah, so STEM Nation, when you get a break, spring break, or maybe over the, the Christmas break, 
uh, the winter break, you know, pick up some of these books, some of these um, business books like Never Boss, and, and take a read to expand upon just the technical knowledge, but get into the business side so you know how these companies run, you know what kind of mindset you'll want when you're out in your career. So thanks for that, Kevin. Thank you. And Kevin, what is one thing that really has you fired up? I'll say in the consulting and maybe book writing world, and where do you think it's headed? Well, uh, yeah, excellent. Um, Something that really has me fired up about my field and what we're doing here and how it's related to STEM STEM, physics, all this, it's really about solving problems, okay? But the most interesting problems and the problems most worth solving are the problems about people. People are the stuff life's made of. And if you can help people love their jobs, if you can help help them lead in new ways, not bossing people around, but building them up and creating more leaders, giving power and control instead of taking power and control, that's exciting. That changes people's lives. And they change other people's lives, and it snowballs. And that's a wonderful feeling. That is where I think, that is, now I know, that is where leadership is headed. And, and no matter what you're doing, in any position, in any STEM field, that's crucial to understand. Your goal is not to give a bunch of orders to a bunch of people and, and make them turn off their brains. Why would you do that if you're working with smart people? What you want to be is a catalyst somebody who can bring out the best in the people around you and help them unleash them to become leaders. And uh, for this podcast, I think that's, that's the important part. It all started for me because of my training in STEM, and this is what gets me excited every day. Yeah, in STEM Nation, to be catalyst, so it's not just your boss that's supposed to be the catalyst. You really want to be a catalyst on your team, the, the people around you, the employees, your, your colleagues. If you can help bring those people up, uh, you know, as well as yourself, that'll also bring value to the company, and you'll be looked upon as somebody, you know, that's looked upon, and you will elevate within that organization. Oh, yeah. They'll, say, they'll, they'll begin to realize, oh, my goodness, everywhere we put Nancy— Three new leaders emerged right around her. Where can we put her next? Absolutely. So, Kevin, we're going to transition here a little bit, and we're going to talk about going back to maybe when you're around 18 heading off to college. What are some things that you wish you knew back when you're 18 heading off to college that you think would STEM Nation launch into college successfully? You know what? I almost think 18 is its almost too young, and I don't want to discourage anyone. If you're already 18, that's fine. You can start now. But ideally... It should start way before college. Uh, it should start as a junior or senior, or even before that, a, a freshman or a sophomore in high school. And I, there are three pieces of advice that I'd like to give you uh, that you can hopefully put right to work right now. First of all, number one, always focus on the principles, uh, not, the, not formulas or rules or policies, but look underneath them and find out what are the principles. Uh, policies change. Rules change, formulas might change or be forgotten, but principles, they're forever. One of my uh, friends in uh, college, he forgot one of the universal constants on one of his physics exams. He forgot this thing, and so he, uh, he had to derive it from scratch, and he was able to do it because he, uh, he understood the principles. Okay, so know the principles of whatever you're doing. And you can sort of think outside the box and you can solve any problem. Number two, train your brain. Uh, and by training your brain, I don't mean painful stuff. Just read science and technical articles and not just articles that are related to your industry. Read, read articles for enjoyment. 
something happens, I think, when you do that for fun. I had a friend who was in uh, math. He decided to join a math club as a freshman in high school. And uh, they went to these junior colleges and they would do math uh, competitions. And they put a piece of paper in front of him with these horrendous math problems. And he said, not only did he not know how to work the problems, but he didn't even understand the symbols being used on a lot of these problems. But a strange thing happened when he kept going back and doing it for fun over and over and over. By the end of that first year, he could consistently get a score of 50% or higher on these exams, not because he necessarily learned exactly how to work these problems, but something was changing in his brain. And in me, in, in my own in my own life, I had to prepare for the ACT, and uh, in addition to the SAT to get to the school I wanted to go to for physics, and so I just started reading science news every week, science newsletter. It's a, a, sort of a simplified, not super scientific, but scientific enough, and I just did it for fun. And when the time came to take the science reasoning portion of the ACT exam, I got almost a perfect score, not because because I you know was some great scientific person, but my brain had just become wired to scientific stuff. So the earlier you start doing this stuff for fun, the better your brain's going to be wired for it. And the third piece of advice I'd have for you uh, getting ready to go to college, and this seems silly, but get a job, learn to work, do hard things. And if, if you can, try to get that job in a company that does STEM stuff, even if you're emptying trash cans or sweeping floors, because you're going to learn things by osmosis just from hearing the people around you and listening to what they say. All right, Kevin, awesome advice. I appreciate that. And STEM Nation, you know, you've got Kevin on the line here who is very successful. He's turning businesses around. He turned his STEM degree into a great career. Take his advice and take action. If you if you listen to the podcast and you don't do anything, you know, you're not going to get much out of it. So you absolutely have to take action. Just take one thing and just go, you know what? I'm going to read one article a week or one article a month and just start small and eventually it'll start to snowball. So, Kevin, let's turn our attention into what skills or attributes you think are needed for STEMers to be successful as they transition from college into their careers. Okay, that's a great question. So you've got your degree. What do you do now? And incidentally, uh, the principles that I'm going to share with you right now, these are things we teach skills we teach to our best business leaders later on in life. So these are going to, these are going to serve you all the time. But from day one, if you can do this, you're head and shoulders against the, uh, above the competition. Number one, be teachable. And teachability means, yeah, it means humility. It's really, it's really the essence of humility, but it also means you learn from everyone around you all the time. I, I had a friend who finished his apprenticeship in, as an electrician, and he told me that whenever he arrived on the job site, he'd look around for the oldest, gnarliest electrician that he could find. If they had arthritis, that was even better. And he would make sure that he set up right next to them. Well, why would he do that? It's because he figured if there was an easy way to do something, if there was a shortcut, if there was a low energy way to, a solution to a problem, that person knew it. And he would just learn from them by asking questions or watching. So that's an example not only of teachability, but seeking out being taught by other people. If you think you have to have all the answers, um, you will really hurt yourself in your career. So it's very important to be teachable. Number two, take initiative. And Jeff, you mentioned this. Uh, initiative means don't wait to be told. See options. Decide what you'd like to do. Recommend things. Tell people what you intend to do. Or go ahead and do it and report back. Initiative is the most fundamental skill of a leader. Uh, as, a, as an example, uh, my first job at Work Perfect Corporation, I arrived as a programmer, but they didn't have a computer for me. For two weeks, there was no computer for a programmer. So 
I did customer support. And for two weeks, I heard the confused voices of these poor customers calling in and asking for help with, with the software. And it changed me forever. It changed my outlook on software and on clients and customers and so forth. But uh, maybe a month later, a programmer came up to me and he said, hey, I don't have anything to do. What should I work on? Now, I wasn't a manager, but I knew that the menus in WordPerfect were confusing the customers. Some used bold, some used underline, some were mixed. They were formatted differently. So I suggested that he just standardize them. And he did it, and suddenly, uh, we're perfect with less confusing. I didn't say, uh, I'm not a manager, you better go ask them. I just recommended something. That's initiative, and that's being a leader, regardless of your title or role. And the third skill is huge, is being agile. Agile means it must not be perfect at first, get it out there quickly, and improve it rapidly based on actual experience. And this applies, for example, to getting a job. Don't look for the perfect first job. There's no such thing. My first two jobs, I was a bagger at Lucky Supermarket and a fast food worker at Arby's. And I made dumb mistakes in both places. And I got fired at one, but I learned some huge important lessons about leadership. And there are stories from those settings that I still tell this, to this day when I train leaders. Uh, look for any job in the right general direction. It's easier to adjust your course if your feet are already moving. And uh, as an example, I went to grad school, actually, after I got my bachelor's degree, but it wasn't working out for me. So I pivoted and went into computer science at the start of the personal computer boom and became a key developer at WordPerfect Corporation. And that was a wonderful opportunity. Damnation, you just got free advice from Kevin. This is the advice that he gives to CEOs trying to turn around their companies. We're going to take a quick pause here. Thank our sponsor, Audible, who's offering a free audiobook. Head on over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get your free audiobook. And now, Kevin, we're going to head into the lightning round. Are you ready? I am. But first, I'd like to echo what you just said about Audible. Audible is passive learning. You, you, it's learning while you're doing something else. It is awesome. Yep. I listen to podcasts, books, whenever I'm driving. Um, just fill the time instead of listening to the radio. Listen to something that's going to add value to my life. Yep. All right, Kevin, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? It's a combination of a thought from two thought leaders, and this is it. People do things for good reasons, so always carefully clarify before you reach a negative conclusion. When you have that attitude, you're naturally going to treat other people with respect. You're not going to second-guess them or judge them prematurely. You'll listen more, they'll trust you more, and they'll listen to you in return, and you'll succeed together. And what is a personal habit that contributes to your success? Listen, listen, listen. Ask questions. Listen first. And why is that important? Somebody wise once said, information precedes inspiration. And what is your favorite internet resource or phone app and why? You're going to laugh. My, my favorite internet resource is Google. It's the, the instant web search. We let job applicants use Google to answer questions in their job interviews. And when we do that, Einstein famously said once that he didn't keep a lot of facts in his head because they could be found in books. But Google is way better than a thousand books. If you know how to search the web effectively and you can separate facts from fiction quickly, you're the smartest person in the world. And what is one book besides Neverboss that you would recommend and why? I would recommend uh, for general success in life in STEM, How to Win Friends and Influence People, the original edition. You will always be working with people People are the stuff life is made of. I didn't have this book early in my career. I wish I had because I messed up and I seriously needed it. Kevin, and as we wrap up here, can you share a final parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? 
and then we'll say goodbye. Yes, uh, be happy to. In, in everything you're doing, enjoy your studies and your career. Whatever you do, find ways to have fun with it. If you do that, you'll be excited to wake up every day and work will never feel like work. All right. Thanks, Kevin. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye, Jeff. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Kevin, provided tons of value. Head on over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And again, if you are getting value from this podcast, please share it with a friend. Tune in next week where we talk with Caitlin, who has a PhD in electrical engineering. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.